Wow. What a great way to get started in, uh, in convocation today. And, and again, it's an amazing honor and privilege to come alongside such a, an amazing team of people that are just saying, we just love Jesus and we just want to kind of keep spreading the whole big God thing. And it's just been really, really cool. Last night, so cool to hang out with a bunch of you and talk about, man, just kind of press it into the Jesus thing. And, and it's just been a good, it's been a good week. Those of you that have been here, it's been pretty awesome, hasn't it? It's been amazing, amen? Yeah, it's just been cool. Well, kind of to get started um, this morning where I believe the Holy Spirit would have his, his focus, I think there's really just one big giant agenda this morning, and, and it's this. I believe that God wants to give us a reality check this morning, a reality check. Um, just in case you don't know what a reality check is, we kind of need to get on the same page as to what one is. How many of you have ever had a reality check in your life? Raise your hands. You've had one. Oh, yeah, most everybody here. Yeah, some of you had one this morning, you know, when you saw your roommate. Yeah, like, oh, gosh, yeah. But why in the world am I still friends with them? They look at that beast. But anyways, you're thinking, well, just so that we're all on the same page as to what a real reality check is, uh, how many of you have ever heard of an athlete by the name of Muhammad Ali? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah. Now, Muhammad Ali was just, he, he was just bad, people. I mean, he was just like all bad to the bone back in the day. Really, when he was young, his name was Cassius Clay, and he's just this boxer guy who would just beat people up, and, and, and he was just cool, man. I mean, he would beat them up psychologically before they ever got in the ring. I mean, because he, he was just bad. He was just very arrogant, very cocky, but like he was, he was rapping when we didn't even know what rap was. We didn't even know what it was. And he was talking smack when we didn't even know what smack was. I mean, he'd look at people. He's like, I float like a butterfly. I sting like a bee. I've got the punch of Muhammad Ali. Ain't I pretty? How? And people are like, yes, you are. Please don't hit us. Please. Please. You know, he was just bad. Just getting all up in people's heads, you know. Well, this one time, uh, Muhammad Ali, in his arrogance and his cockiness, he was in an airplane seated in first class. And this flight attendant came by, and she saw he did not have a seatbelt on. She said, so she said, sir, would you please put your seatbelt on? It's for your safety. Well, she went through the cabin, right, checked out everybody else, came back to him. He still did not have his seatbelt on. She said, sir, please put your seatbelt on. It's for your safety. She went through the cabin, came back. He still didn't have it on. She said, sir, put your seatbelt on. He said, lady, I'm Superman. And Superman don't need no seatbelt. Just kind of busted that on her, man. Well, she very politely and very privately leaned into his face, and she said, sir, Superman, he don't need no airplane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what that is? That's a reality check. You better be what you claim you are, man. If not, hop out. Good luck. I hope you make it. Well, this morning, I believe the agenda of God that he, is this that he would give us a reality check to be, listen, real Christians. A reality check to be real Christians blew my mind. Uh, about three months ago, CNN did a poll, and they actually said this on TV, that 90% of Americans claim to be Christian. And I'm going, you're kidding me. Really? And it is amazing as I crisscross the country how many people just want to kind of jump onto the whole Christian things and there's this big pluralism deal going on and we can have all kinds of different beliefs. Listen, 
God wants to make sure that you this morning, you know that you know that you're really in on this Christian thing. A reality check to be a real Christian. Verses that I want us to go to are the verses that are the reality check verses in all of Scripture to me. Matthew chapter 7. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to be looking at verses 21 through 23. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Jesus is closing out the greatest message ever preached because it was preached by the greatest preacher ever, and it's Jesus himself, hello. He's closing out the Sermon on the Mount. He's doing what any good minister of the gospel should do when he's closing out what he's having to say. If what he has to say has any eternal significance at all to it, you ought to give people some kind of moment to connect with that, call them out on it, and get them in on this thing. I don't understand modern-day paradigms of ecclesiology, that want to extract invitations from their moments of connecting people and connecting people with God. It seems self-referentially incoherent. Jesus, if we're going to do what Jesus did, Jesus shared the message, and when he did, he called people out on it. Check out how intense he was when he did that. Watch this. Matthew chapter 7, beginning verse 21. Listen to what Jesus is saying. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but... He who does the will of my Father in heaven. Look up here at me, students. Check this out. Listen. You don't get to heaven your way, bro. You don't get to heaven your way, young lady. You can't just kind of like go, yeah, I'm hearing everything that you guys say, but you know, I've got this little way I'm kind of going to get in on it on my own because these are the ideas that I have about God, and I believe that my ideas are right, and I know that I'm going to be able to kind of get in on this whole going to heaven thing after I die my kind of way. No, Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, it doesn't work that way. This is what he says, he who does the will of my father. You know what that means? It's God's way or no way, period. God's way or no way. You got to come God's way. Why does he start off like that? Because he knows the way that we are. We try to do everything on our own. And we might be successful at that if you get a new cell phone and you go, I'm scrapping the instruction book. I don't need that. I'll just work it out on my own. You get a new video game, I'm scrapping the, uh, the instructions on that. I don't care. I can play it on my own, and I'll work out all that stuff on my own. There's a lot of things that you might be able to do without reading the instruction manual, but as it relates to getting connected with God, having peace with God, making sure that you're going to heaven, you've got to come God's way. And you might be going, well, that's silly. Who in the world would do it any other way? Check out verse 22. Many. Huge amount of people. Many will say to me in that day. What day is he talking about? Judgment day. Check this out, bro. Listen. One day you will stand before God and give an account of your life before God. Every one of us here, Romans chapter 14, verse 12, each person will stand before God one day and you will give an account of your life before God. Everything you've ever done, God's going to bring that into accountability to himself. That's the day he's talking about. So there's these people standing before him. It's judgment day, bro. And they're standing before God. And check out what they do. Many will say to me in that day, watch this. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And that doesn't mean like they knew how to foretell the future. There was no like Sister Cleo, you know, fortune telling thing going on. They, uh, they just prophesied means that they knew the word of God and they could foretell the word of God. Like many of you, you're very well versed on what the Bible has to say about issues. And you know about it and you can tell other people about it. That's who they were. Now check this out. Prophesied in your name. Cast out demons in your name. Creepy. They're the demon caster out of people. I mean, you would think, man, these guys are like on the front line of spiritual warfare. Then check this out. And watch this. 
and we've done many wonders in your name. What an amazing spiritually elite resume to be able to stand before God and prolificate this amazing bio of your spirituality. You would have thought that when they stood before God and they busted all this out on God, that the response of God would have been, oh my word. Hey everybody, they're finally here. Look, get on in here. Are you kidding? Get on in here. You know heaven was in heaven till you got here. I mean, what an amazing resume. But was that the response of God? No, check out what God does. Listen to this. This is startling to me. These verses haunt me. And then, and then, see, there's going to come an and then moment in your life one day, young man. Those of you that are over at Thomas Road main campus and those of you that are in the the Moss Hall, there's going to be an and then moment that happens in your life. Because see, everywhere I go and every year I get to speak to millions of people and I go to all of these arenas all over the country and I'll sit down and I'll start talking to people about spirituality. And do you know what? It is very vogue to be spiritual in America today. And everybody I meet, they have something to say about their spirituality. Everywhere I go, you'll ask them about their spirituality and they have something to say. If we had the time to go through all of you this morning and say, tell me where you think you are with God, you would have something to say about it. These people had something to say, but then there was an and then moment. And what is that? That's when God hushes you up, he speaks reality, and he tells you what you really are. He cuts through all the hypocrisy, all of the veneer, the facade, and he busts out some serious science about what you really are. And then I will declare to them, check this out, this is amazing, this is so painful, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. See, it's one thing for you to tell your grandmother that you know Jesus. It's one thing for you to tell your, you know, your RA or your SLD that you know Jesus, man. It's one thing for you to tell, you know, your, your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your aunt or your uncle or your mom or your dad that you know Jesus. But, man, it is a whole different website for Jesus to say he knows you. And then he says, listen, the reality is deep inside you got all this stuff going on on the outside, but the reality is, let me tell you what you really are. You're just simply a person who practices lawlessness. It's still all about you and your stuff and your things and your interests and your wants and your desires and your goals and your dreams and your self-absorbed affections. It's all about you. And these people are not going to heaven, and that means they're going to hell. That's horrible. You know, I, I call these people the great pretenders. They're just kind of faking through this thing. They're pretending. They're just pretending. And, you know, sometimes pretending is fun. I like to pretend. You like to pretend. Sometimes pretending is fun. We can have fun pretending. I like to pretend a lot. I, uh, I, have, I have three kids. I love my kids. They're amazing. I've got Christy, and, um, and she is 12, and she is more hyper than I'll ever be in my entire life. She is a psycho crazy girl. And that is what she desires for me to call her affectionately. She loves that title. That tells you a little bit about her. She's just hyper crazy, hyper, hyper crazy. That's her. Crazy, crazy. And then I have Will. He's my 10-year-old. And Will, he's just cool, man. I mean, Will's just cool. Like, if you just, he's like good looking. He got it from his mom, obviously. But he's just, and he's cool. And like, if you see Will, like if a girl like looks at Will, if a college girl would look at Will, Will be like this. He'd be like, yeah. I mean, that's. 
that's Will, man. He's just cool. I'm like, no, you don't, yeah, the college girl, okay, bro? And he's just cool. He's just cool. Yeah, what's up, man, you know? And as a matter of fact, Governor Sonny Perdue goes to our church. I preached one Sunday morning at First Baptist Church Woodstock for Dr. Hunt. Got finished preaching. Doctor, I mean, uh, Governor Sonny Perdue shook my hand and said, man, it was an amazing sermon. All those people getting saved. That was awesome. He looks over at my kid, rubs his head, and my boy goes, what up, Governor Homie? I'm like, no. You know, what up, Governor Homie? What is that? Kill you, boy. And I said, Will's just my cool dude. And then I've got Bradley. And Bradley is my six-year-old, and he is the reason and the inspiration to why I'm really considering freebasing lithium and Prozac together to help me deal with life. I'm just like, oh my goodness. I mean, you don't understand. My six-year-old is crazy. He was the inspiration for Chucky. (laughs) I'm serious. Jack, Jack, and the Incredibles, you know, ball of fire. That's my boy. Bradley, he concerns me deeply. I'll be asleep at night, and I'll wake up, and there he is. <laughs> Standing in the doorway, I just see a silhouette. He's all hunched over. He's holding his stuffed animals by the throat. <laughs> I hear that laugh. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and confess, I sleep with a knife, okay? I'm afraid of my kid, that's right. I just love my kids, oh man, I love them deeply, I just love my kids. And my kids, see, they think like dad is cool, they think I'm cool. And it's not because I get to hang out and pastor, like, you know, Toby Mac, and get the pastor skillet, and hang out with Mandisa, and do all these things all over the country, and Stephen Curtis Chab and all these people, and that they know, and Cass and Crowns and all that, they, they know those people, they know they're just regular people like us. But they think that I'm cool because of a whole nother group of people that I get to hang out with. And that's Winnie the Pooh and his friends and the Hundred Acre Wood. They think I hang with them because I'll be gone and I'll call them up and I will act like them on the phone. Usually when I do the tours, my kids go with me on a tour bus and we'll go all over the country. But during the summertime, I do these camp things. They don't really go with me a lot there unless we're going to Key Largo. We're going to be at a resort. Then mom comes. And so, uh, you know, I'll call them up. I'll be gone a week, and I'll call them up, and, and I'll go talk to them. How many of you have ever been to a youth camp before? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah, well, you've been there. And so I'm, uh, I'm at the youth camp. I'm speaking. Then I call up my kid, right? So I'm calling up my kid. I'm like, hello. Will picks up the phone. I'm like, hello, Will. This is your dad. How are you doing? Haven't talked to you in a week. I love you. How are you? He goes, yeah, I love you too, Dad. Let me talk to Eeyore. I'm like, but bro, this is dad, dude. We haven't talked in a week, Eeyore. Well, this is dad. Yo, check it out, dad. Come on now. Quit being a dork. I want to talk to Eeyore. I'm like, oh, man. Just, now. Okay. I'll go get him. No. <laughs> Eeyore. <laughs> well, hello, Will. I'm at camp with your dad. I'm eating camp food. Think I'm gonna die. You know, <laughs> you know, he's like, and Will just all ate up with it. He's like, man, he likes monologue. He's like, I'm talking to Eeyore. And he's telling the world, and I don't know how this worked, but if you 
If you've got, if you're a middle child and you've got a big sister, if you're doing something real cool, they could be in another country, man, and they're going to know that you're doing something cool, and they want to get in on it. I don't know how that works. You could be eating a cookie, and they're like, I want a cookie. I've got to have a cookie now for some reason. I just got to get in on what the little brothers are doing. So all of a sudden, he's like, I'm talking to Eeyore. And Christy's got a radar on. She's like, Eeyore, phone call, 100 Acre Woods. And I can hear her coming to get the phone. And she's coming to get the phone, and she sounds like an incoming surface-to-air missile. You just hear it. And then you hear this big collision of flesh. Christy's got the phone. She's like, Eeyore, Eeyore, you depress me. I do not want to talk to you. I can hear Will on the floor. He's screaming, my face, my face. (laughs) And she's like, I want to talk to Tigger because I'm a Tigger too. And I've got to bounce, you know. And so Eeyore's like, thanks for asking. And he's gone. And then (laughs) Tigger, hello. What do you say, pal? She's going berserk. She's like, no way. Hey, no way. Did I poke her? How you doing, pal? She's just going, this is awesome. I'm talking to Ching. That was beautiful. Her little tigger thing gets kind of cut off. She never saw him coming. Nobody ever does. (laughs) Bradley's got the phone now. He's like, I hate cats. Kill the cat, kill the cat, kill the cat, kill the cat, kill the cat. One slice, all nine lives, cat dead, cat dead, cat dead. I want to talk to Pooh Bear, and I want to talk now. Tigger's got this thing called discernment. <laughs> so he's like, TTFN, ta-ta for now. <laughs> he's gone. He is gone. And Pooh Bear. <clears throat> well, hello. There, Bradley. This, this is Pooh, and I'm with your father, and we are eating camp food, and I've got a rumbly in my tummy. <laughs> 
crazy. Crazy, man. It's crazy. You know, when, when I do that, when I do that with my kids, man, you know, I'm just pretending to kind of be something I'm not. It is no big deal. I mean, it's, it's all cool. I mean, nobody gets hurt. I mean, you know, it's just my kids. No big deal. I mean, maybe they'll get older. You know, they'll get older one day and they'll find out and, you know, they'll, they'll be freaking out maybe a little bit. But, you know, hey, a little lithium, some Prozac. They're going to be okay. No big deal. You know, they might be on Dr. Phil. My dad was pretending to be Bobert. I mean, you know. But they're going to be okay. It's no big deal. Nobody gets hurt. Just kind of funny, you know. But I want to tell you something, young person. Sir, ma'am, listen to me. If you continue to play games with God and to pretend to be something you're really not, namely a true born-again believer in God, listen to me, one day it will not be funny One day you will stand before God and it will be fatal for you. Fatal for you. Think about these people their whole life. They're doing all of this stuff and they're spiritualizing everything in their life. They stand before God and now it's not fun and games anymore to them. Now they're standing before God and God's cutting through all of the junk and they're not going to heaven, they're going to hell. So you can pretend all you want, but one day it's going to cost you, bro. It is going to cost you big. You're sitting there in Thomas Road, main auditorium there. Listen, it's going to cost you in the Moss Hall. It's going to cost you here. It will cost you one day. And think about what it's going to cost you to do this stuff and to just kind of affiliate with people religiously. And then, you know, to have your idea of spirituality. Then to stand before God and to realize that his word was, in fact, inerrant, inspired, infallible, and authoritative. It's the bottom line. You come his way or no way. Then when you stand before God, you don't get to go to heaven, you go to hell. That is horrible. I was telling the students, I wish I didn't even have to talk about hell. I crisscrossed the country in the last two years, and I'm doing it again for this third year. And we went on an 87-city tour, then a 34-city tour, and then a year after that, we went on a 36-city tour, doing another 36-city tour beginning in January. And I preached the gospel right in the middle of the concerts, and I just share what the Word of God says. To the mosaic generation, postmoderns, everybody, just lay it out there. And you know what? None of the lost people, none of those people on the outside of Christianity ever write me hate mail, but it's amazing how many Christians write me hate mail. And they will get mad at me because I brought up the subject of hell and judgment. And they will tell me that there's no place in Christianity today to bring up the subject of hell because we are more refined in our Christianity today, and that is very manipulative. And I told you the other night that, quite frankly, I would much rather just kind of back out of this room because of all the baggage in my life before I met God with my biological mother being a mentally insane street prostitute, a homeless person. And then I was placed in foster care at whenever I was born. And for the first four years of my life, radically, brutally sexually abused and physically abused. And then when I was adopted at the age of four, purchased for $200, my adopted father, whom I love, my father, my mother, but they didn't know God. And my dad was a drunken, raging alcoholic. And he would beat me all the time. He'd get in a drunken rage, load up a gun, may come into our house, shooting around. And he would always tell me, I wish I would have never bought you. Then growing up poor in a ghetto in Jacksonville, Florida, and pulling out my free lunch ticket from the government to get my lunch at the public school. And when I pulled out that ticket, I knew it meant I was going to fight somebody because people can be cruel making fun of you because of what you don't have. 
And I've got a lot of baggage in my life, a lot of rejection in my life. And I don't want anybody to reject me. And when it comes to this subject of hell, I'm very aware that if many of you sitting out in your seat right now, over at Thomas Road, in the mosque, and you're repulsed at the subject of hell, and you would like to come at me and debate me and get angry with me, and I would rather just wave the white flag and surrender. I don't want anybody to reject me, but I'm just telling you, i got to say it again. I didn't come to be popular, and I didn't come to be accepted. I came because i got a short, brief moment on this earth, and I'm a messenger, and I've got to tell you the truth. And if you don't get right with God, you will go to hell. It's the truth. And hell is horrible. And the punishment is so severe because the offense is so severe. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We don't live for God's glory. We live for our own glory. It's all about us. And God says, I'll never give my glory to another. And we're glory stealers. It's all about our portfolio. It's all about our vibe. It's all about who we know. And it's all about who we can gather around us. And yes, we do the sex and we lie and we cheat and we embezzle and we steal stuff off the internet. We're sinners through and through. And the Bible says, for the wages of our sin is death. Eternity separated from God in a place called hell forever. And one of the things that would make hell hell is there'll be no love of God. And the longing of every human soul is to be loved and to be released of their guilt. Well, you'll have to suffer for your guilt, your guiltiness against your sin in hell. And there'll be no love of God in hell. But the thing I think that blows my mind the most about hell is it's referred to, listen to this, as the second death in Revelation chapter 20, verse 14, the second death. Several times it's referred to as the second death. What is that? Number one fear in America is the fear of dying. Fear of dying. If you talk to people and you say, hey, if you had a choice of dying a very quick death, it's over with, or a very slow, agonizing, painful death, which would you choose? How many of you here would choose a very quick, get it over with death? Raise your hand. I'm not signing you up for that right now. I'm just saying, you know, yeah, we, everybody's like, let's just get it over with. Nobody really wants to sign up for the slow, agonizing, painful death. Listen to this. Hell is the place that humanity fears the most. It is a place of perpetual dying. It is a place of death. It is the second death. Hell is the state of dying that never ends. You are always dying. There is no life. You are dying. You are stuck in that state of dying. It is eternal, the second death. And how will you be dying? Cancer, disease, what, what will it be? You'll be burning to death. Oh, it's horrible, it's repulsive, but it's true. The Bible says in Revelation 20, if you're not prepared before God, you've never really fully connected with God, you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never repented of your sin, placed your faith in Jesus, if you've never come to a point where you stop arguing about your sin and you agree with God about your sin, the Bible says you'll be cast into a burning lake of fire. A state of dying that never ends and you'll be burning to death. What are we doing? What in the world are you doing sitting out there and you're, you've heard this message before. You've heard the story of the gospel before. You've heard it from people that have come here, maybe going to church at Easter and Christmas or other times with your parents. You've heard it, maybe listening to a guy on TV, but yet you've never connected with this message. You've never really given God your life. What in the world are you doing? You're here at a place of higher learning and one of the most intelligent things you can ever do is to make sure that you're ready for eternity. Get your life right before God. 
say, well, why in the world do you do the funny thing and all of a sudden you get real serious? I told the students the other night, many of you weren't here. It's because it is serious. I do funerals all the time. I go and I'll speak in arenas and there were people that were there and in a very short period of time, they're dead. People die. One of the things that's on my radar, and I shared it the other night, but I got to share it in this moment right now. I was in the Sun Dome in Tampa Arena with Stephen Curtis Chapman, a bunch of other authors, Jeremy Camp, a bunch of these other people. It stank this real Hawk Nelson. We're, and we're doing the concert thing. I'm preaching the gospel. We had over 2,000 people accept Christ that night. The Holy Spirit sat down on that place. We, we left, and when we're leaving, we get the un, unbearable news. There were two students over to my left. Ashley and Alex. They left the concert that night. They picked up a friend by the name of Brandon. When they picked up Brandon, they were going to go to Sonic and hang out with some people. They pulled out onto the road and they were in a caravan because their other friends were going to Sonic to hang out. When they pulled out onto the highway, a massive semi-truck ran right over. It killed them. Two hours after hearing me preach. Alex knew the Lord and Brandon knew the Lord. Ashley She was an unbeliever when she came to the concert that night, but Alex, out of his love for her, brought her there so she can hear the gospel. And God, out of his love for you, has brought you to this point to be here today. And two hours before that girl met her maker face-to-face, Ashley gave her heart and life to Jesus Christ. That's an amazing, yeah, go God. But you know what? I'm haunted by that girl. I'm haunted by her. I've ministered to Alex's family, and I've seen pictures of Alex, Bart, from Mercy Me, and I ministered to his mom and dad. We, we ministered to uh, Brandon's father, me and the guys from Skillet, but I've never seen a picture of Ashley, and I haven't met her parents, but, but I've got a picture of her in my mind. I told some of you students this the other night. I'm haunted with this girl, Ashley. You know what I do? I think about what she would say to all of you who are here, and you have yet to get your life right with God. You have yet to really connect with this message and give your life to God, repent of your sins, give your life to Jesus. And one of the reasons you haven't done it is because you think you have more time. You think that you have more time. So you're like, yeah, I mean, I've got time and makes sense and everything, and it kind of resonates, but not yet. Let's wait till later. When I did Spiritual Emphasis Week here in 99, there was a girl, her name was Taryn, And on Tuesday, she drowned over there in the river. People die. I think about this Ashley girl, and what would she say to those of you who have yet to make your decision? And because you think you have more time, you know what I think she'd say? You don't know when your time is going to come, but please get ready for it. Get ready. You're holding on to your stuff. You're like, you know what, I know I could die any moment, but I can't make this decision yet because I'm holding on to my stuff, my sin, my sex, my relationships, I, my, my goals, my ambitions, my desires. I'm clinging to my stuff, my glory, my pride. And you have yet to make your decision for God because you're afraid of what you might have to let go of in order to give your life to God. You know what I think Ashley would say to you? Here's what I think she'd say. Listen to this. There is nothing, nothing that you will let go of that God would not fill your hand with something greater still. What of the world are you going to hold on to that at the end of your life, when you stand before God, it will be worth it to be cast out of heaven and to spend eternity in hell? Nobody I know wants to sign up for that. There's nobody that goes, you know what? You know what? I'd like to live a good life, stand before God, and go to hell. Nobody has said, where's that sheet? Can I sign up for that? But you know what I've learned? Broken, hurting, Sinful humanity, 
longs to be loved and to be relieved of our guilt and to have peace with God. And you can have it right now. I want to invite you right now. Would you reverently bow your head and close your eyes and join me in this reverent posture of worship at Thomas Road, the Moss Hall, and right here in the Bind Center. Bow your head and close your eyes. You say, Tony, I want to be prepared. I don't want that to happen to me. I want to know that I'm going to be good to go with God. What in the world do I do? The Bible makes it so simple. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, whoever called on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. The Bible also says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I can lead you in a time of confessing with your mouth, but only you can believe in your heart. You say, well, I don't know if I have that much faith. Good, Jesus said it's not the amount of your faith that makes the difference. It's the object of your faith. Small dust-like mustard seed particles of faith in the heart of somebody that will stop arguing over their sin and agree with God about their sin moves the hand of God to save. And instead of hell forever, you can have heaven forever. That's the good news of the gospel. Let me lead you in this prayer. You can repeat this prayer after me if you mean it with all your heart. You say, well, prayer is not magical. No, but it's very meaningful. Otherwise, God would have never allowed Paul to write those verses in Romans 10, 9, and 10. And if you mean this with all your heart, you can say it out loud in a whisper or in the silence of your mind, and God will say, here's the prayer. Just repeat it after me. Dear God, that's it. Just repeat it after me. Over there in Thomas Road and the Moss Hall, just repeat it after me. Here it is. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And oh God, thank you for a reality check. Nothing's more important than me getting real with you right now. Oh God, I want Jesus. Oh Jesus, I need you. Right now I believe, Jesus, that you're the sinless son of God. Well, I don't have it figured it out. But I have faith it in that you went to a cross, shed your blood, died, was buried, and you rose again. By faith, I accept that. And I want to thank you for loving me with a cross. God, I let go of my stuff, my sin. I turn away from all of it. And from this moment on, my life is all about you. As you remain in this very reverent posture of worship with your heads bowed and your eyes closed at the Moss Hall at Thomas Road, I want you to listen to me very carefully. And in the Vine Center, listen, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to listen to me very carefully. I'm going to give you some biblical instruction, but the moment I do, spiritual warfare is going to intensify in this place and in both of those other locations. I mean, it's going to intensify. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to give you this instruction. But the moment I do, listen, your mind is going to be the target of two voices, the voice of the devil and the voice of Jesus. The Bible says don't be ignorant of the schemes of the devil. And I know that during these moments, man, he is raging war. That's why the prayers of the people are so important. If you just prayed that prayer, your mind is going to be the target of two voices when I give you this instruction, the voice of the devil and the voice of Jesus. Never listen to the voice of the devil. He only wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. Always listen to the voice of Jesus. Why? He doesn't want to destroy you. He wants to deliver you. Do you know what Jesus said about everyone who calls on the name of the Lord? Do you know what he said you're supposed to do? You said you're going to let him be the boss and the Lord of your life. You said you're coming to God his way. That means Jesus is going to be Lord, boss, and leader of your life. That means you're going to do what he said to do. From now on, your life is all about him. That's what you pray. 
You know what Jesus said about everyone who calls on the name of the Lord? Listen to this. Jesus said, in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, he said, I'll deny you. And people will write me all the time and they'll say, hey man, you know, you teach all of these other people, but what do those verses mean? And I have to be honest, I do not know the full ramifications of those verses. I don't know, they're very mysterious to me. But I do know this much. The young man, young lady, sir, ma'am, listen, if you prayed that prayer just now, and you really meant it with all your heart, and if you really meant it, then Jesus is real serious, that if you meant it, you need to mention it. That's what those verses mean. If you meant it, you need to mention it. Did you mean it? You need to mention it. If you meant it, you mention it. If you meant it, you mention it. Did you mean it? Then you need to mention it. Now listen, right now, boldly. Now the devil's not going to want you to do this. Here or at Thomas Road, or at DeMoss. He does not want you to do this because he knows that you're going to get a blessing and God's going to get glory and he doesn't want to see that happen. Don't listen to him. You've come too far. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, demons have to flee in the name of Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Jesus said to do this. If you meant it, you need to mention it. Right now, boldly. On the count of three, here's your opportunity to mention it. Don't let the devil win. Jesus wants you to do it. If you really meant it, boldly on the count of three, don't flinch, don't hesitate. Don't wait. If you really meant it boldly, I want you to raise your hand straight up in the air on the count of three. One, two, three. Raise your hand in the air. Raise them straight up in the air. There are hands everywhere. There are hands all over the place. If you're at Thomas Road at the main auditorium, raise your hand. At the mosque, raise your hands. Now, every one of you with your hands up, there's a bunch of you. Every one of you with your hands up, I want you to take it one step further like a young lady right over here has already done. And if you really meant it, I want you to look up here at me. Just look up here at me. Don't, don't put your hand down. Just look up here at me. Look up here at me. Over there at the other campuses, look at the screen. Look up here at me. Did you really mean it? Did you really mean it? Did you really mean it? Then remember what Jesus said. Listen, you've come too far. Don't back up now. Jesus said, remember what he said. Confess me before men. What does that mean? He wants you to publicly declare what you said in private prayer. You know what that means? He wants you to tell the whole world. That's a difficult thing to do. So why don't we do this? Right now, let's start off by letting everybody in this place know, everybody at Thomas Road know, everybody in DeMoss Hall know, that you meant every word of what you said. The devil don't want you to do this. Don't listen to him. Listen to Jesus. He says he wants you to do it. If you really meant it, boldly, for the glory of God, like hundreds have already done this week, right now, in an act of defiance against the enemy, the devil, and more importantly, in an act of humility that will bring God great glory. If you really meant it, stand to your feet right now for the glory of God. Did you mean it? Stand to your feet right now. Just stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. That's right. Just stand to your feet. And God bless you for doing it earlier, young lady. At Thomas Road, stand to your feet. In the Moss Hall, stand to your feet. To God be the glory. Every one of you that are standing, every one of you that are standing, I want you to do something. And whatever you do, don't emotionally withdraw. Don't hold back. Jesus said, let the world know. We want to have an amazing moment of worship with you right now. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave your seat right now. Just leave your seat. I don't want you to come stand right here in the very front of this place because we're going to have a ministry moment of you right now. Did you mean it? Step out and come. Did you mean it? Step out and come. Just step out and come. That's right. Step out and come. Step out over here and come. That's right. Come on down. Step out and come. At Thomas Road, there are some professors there, some counselors that can help you. In DeMoss Hall, there's some people that will help you. Leaders, go over to them right now and go minister to them right over there. There's a bunch of people in the Vine Center that are doing that. Over there at Thomas Road, leaders help those people that are standing and raising their hand. In DeMoss Hall, help those people and minister to them. And those of you that are coming, come, just squeeze on in. Squeeze on in, just squeeze on in, that's it. Squeeze on in, just squeeze on in. That's it. Come on, bro. God bless you, man. 
God bless you and God bless all of you. Just come on. Those of you that are up front here, squeeze on in because we've got a bunch of people coming. Squeeze on in. I know we've gone a little long, but God bless you guys for giving us freedom and having, number one, for the leaders, Jonathan, Jerry, God bless you for having a heart at a university that says this is God's. And I know that you had that morphed into your heart from your dad that I got to meet several times who played practical jokes on me and messed with me hard, but I loved him. He was awesome. And, um, and what a hero he has been to me. And I want to just say to God be the glory because when people say, you know what? I know we've got classes. I know we've got a lot of stuff, and I've tried to be sensitive to the time. I've, I preached half of this message. There's a bunch more to it, but I was blazing. And I just say to God be the glory, great things he has done. Here's what I want to tell you guys to do. Listen. And everybody that's made a decision this, this week, Mark Hall from Casting Crowns and myself, we wrote a devotional book. And listen, we don't sell stuff. I gave away all my books the other night. I don't, I don't care. We sell stuff on my website, but it all goes back to just paying people's rent and helping the needy and helping the gospel. My pastors taught me to stay away from females and finances. Give it all away and just love your wife. Amen. Dr. Johnny Hunt, he's my hero. And um, I want to tell all of you, you can go to my website, TonyNolan.org. And you look over to the left, there's a thing that says free devotional booklet. Mark Hall and I wrote a seven-day devotional booklet that's just for you. What do you do for the next seven days after you've made this major decision for Jesus? You should be asking, what's next? Go there, get it, download it. It's in a PDF form. It's yours. There's also some free interviews you can sign up for. I do interviews with all the artists that I pastor. And there's free MP3 interviews that we've done where they'll tell you things that they do in their life to help them walk with God. It's all yours for free. Devotions that I do for them, they're yours for free. We just want to say in this moment that we are of those who are very grateful that a holy, transcendent God would humble himself and become a man in a form of a servant, live a sinless life, die on a cross, take our place on a cross, be butchered because of our sinfulness to adopt us into his family so that we can go to heaven, and even just as important, on this side of eternity, not live for the short-lived, insignificant, trivial pleasures of this world, but rock this world one more time before the return of our King Jesus for his glory and for his honor. I would encourage you to connect with your RAs, your SLDs, your prayer leaders, and I want you today to go to them and say, you know what? I was one of those that walked forward. Those of you that are out there, some of the workers at this school, and you're, you're, you're over there at Thomas Road, Connect with some people. Let them know the decision you've made. Go to the website. Get the free stuff. Tell somebody at the Moss Hall. Tell somebody. There are going to be people on this campus that are going to love on you real good. You say, how can they love on me? They don't even know me. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Amen. <laughs> Father, we love you and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. God bless you guys. God bless you.